Welcome to Geek Out Weekly, the podcast where we geek out suboptimally, substrengthfully. Mm, less strongly. Yeah, less strongly is my wrestling name. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Adil Kurji, and I'm joined by Ben. Hello. And returning back to the Out of Lies fold, we've got Dave. <laughs> Just proving how uncool I am with a 90s throwback. Uh, I think nice. you managed to cut out uh, the, the audio yeah. cutaway just uh, just when you did it, so it sounded like what? <laughs> okay, that's I'll settle for that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to the, this week, we are talking about the back half of the Mandalorian season two. Oh, that's aha! And Ben is for those of you not listening but looking is pointing pointedly pointing uh, to his lovely Mando and. Grogu. Mmm. Nice. Legos. Lego mini heads? That's yeah, the little name brick, of the line? brick heads. Brick heads. Yeah, yeah. Alright, mini mm. figs, brick heads. Yep. I swear. Uh, it's really Lego's answer to Funko Pop with less mm-hmm. mass collection, but that's also because they are like decades behind of all the licensing to force people to buy these things, where I say force. Because I yeah. read the comments <laughs> on Facebook, but me. people seem like they have no choice. Oh no, they made more Funkos of this. I'll have to get all ten of them. And only one, and one of them is a San Diego Comic Con special. So I guess I'm spending $300 on eBay. <laughs> to be fair though, I have been looking at the Mando Funko and it's pretty cool. Oh, I've only got, okay. I've only got four. I've got, I've got one Star Wars one, two Fallout ones, and then a Skyrim one. But oh. yeah, uh, the Mando ones though, it's about 50 quid though. So. Cool. I'm not adding that. That's Ooh. not coming to my collection. No, my collection of four. Um, wait, is that because it's aftermarket or do they just uh, have a? I re- assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, I don't think that was the, the real sale price. Oh yeah, because I don't think they ever really break. Um, twenty like bucks? fifteen quid, fifteen yeah. bucks. Yeah, buck quids, mm. quid quidlets. Some of your pound sterlings. Yes. The Mandalorian season two. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is not the Funko Pop podcast. No? <laughs> uh, you mean Funko Pod. That's, uh, Funko Thursdays. Pod. Uh, that's where we talk about, but don't have any Norse actually feel <laughs> yeah. or unbox Funko Pops. We just sort of talk mm. a lot about what they might be based on a Google image search. And sometimes we skip that part. Um, so yeah, join us on that in the future. And an alternate universe. Oh, so uh, we're going to just quickly, because there's three of us, and of course it's the end of season two, we're going to talk a lot more about the overall themes of both uh, season one and season two, uh, rather than last uh, episode where we did uh, The Mandalorian season two, part one. We talked a lot about the details of the episodes. We're going to mm. we're gonna shift gears today and talk around it, also because we've got Dave here, who hasn't had the chance to uh, share his feelings about season one or season two yet. Um, so let's first start off with uh, just reminding us where we left off. So season two, episode four ended with um, finding out that with uh, what, what did it add up? Oh, right. So the, <laughs> Mando knew, found out about where a Jedi was and they were on Corvus and um they went back to um, Navarro. We had a little adventure there. 
and we at the, the very tail end of the episode we found out that someone was a spy had planted a tracking device on the razor crest mm-hmm. so chapter 13 the jedi which is episode five of the season uh, i'll just quickly read the um description and then we can chat a little around it the mandalorian and the child arrive at the city of caladan on the planet corvus to find the population living in fear of the city's magistrate morgan elspeth and her guards including a hired mercenary named lang Elspeth offers to give the Mandalorian a spear of Beskar steel in exchange for killing Ahsoka. Mandalorian finds Ahsoka, that's Ahsoka Tano, outside the town and presents the child to her. Using force, she determines that the child's name is Grogu and that he had begun training as a Jedi before the rise of the Empire. She agrees to continue his training if he helps defeat Elspeth. Once they overpower the guards, free the citizen, uh, and Lang is killed, Ahsoka confronts Elspeth and demands to know the whereabouts of her master, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Afterwards, Ahsoka refuses to drain Grogu due to his close attachment to the Mandalorian. Instead, she directs them to an ancient temple on the planet Tython, where Grogu can use the Force to find other Jedi and decide his own fate. She also gives the spear to the Mandalorian, because Beskar should be with the Mandalorians. So, a lot of words. I'm going to stop talking. Mm. Thoughts on the episode in general, If now that I've reminded you exactly which chunk of the series it was. Uh, let's start with you, Dave. Yeah, I am... Um... This is my first um, introduction to ah- Ahsoka. It is Ahsoka, isn't it? Yeah. Because yep. I, 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 I like Star Wars. I like the movies, but I've never, I've never really watched any of the other series or extended universe or the Legends or any of that. So this is this is my first introduction to the character. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty good episode. Um, I can't think of another series though where we we get to series two or the thirteenth episode overall before we find out the main character's name. Um, mm, the main character, you say. Uh, yes, the main character, the Grogu show. Yeah, yeah. the, the Grogalorian show, the Grogalorian. Um, I'm not really a fan of his name, though. To be honest, I, I, oh. Grogu, it just—it's not cute enough for him. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Baby, baby Yoda, mm-hmm. pretty cute. Well, Grogu. yeah, but you can't top Baby Yoda with a real name because at some point he might grow up. That's true. Could have called him Groda. Mm. I mean, I think maybe, Dave, you just need to give it some time because it might grow goo on you. Oh my god, I'm leaving. <laughs> this is the shortest return to Eliza. Um, no, overall though, it was, it was great. I mean, I know, I do know some of these characters they're talking about, like Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, I, mm-hmm. I kind of know who that is. Um, I think they've changed who he was in the, cause he was in Legends as well as, He's in, is it Rebels he's in or? I don't know. I'm really yeah, I mean, there. he was originally in the, the, uh, extended universe series of books that yeah. has been called the Throne Trilogy, but by, ooh, I'm forgetting. It doesn't matter. Sorry, fan, uh, nerds out there. Uh, we'll figure it out in a second. Um, but I mean, and then they are like the most lauded, um, Star Wars extended universe books, really. Uh, and yeah. most books that came after it sort of, tag it because it was so well received mm. and a lot of characters that were in that sort of stayed on as main characters in the extended universe. That's yeah, good to see and, and yeah, Rebels I think is where they um brought him back because that was after they axed the EU. Much like yeah. we did eight <laughs> days ago. Um but yeah I, I like the the sort of the law heavy aspect of this episode. Like I as much as I like the week to week adventures when it starts getting into the overarching story and the, the whole Star Wars universe is when I like it more. 
Um, mm. so it's, it's got me really excited to, to what comes next. And, the, the you know, the, the actual planet cinematography, I feel like that. It, yeah, it was, it was a good episode. I enjoyed this one. She's yeah, great I, as well. I, I, um, Rosa, Rosario Dawson. Rosario? Yeah. Rosario. Yeah. Rosie. It's easier. Um, she, she was great. That was, that was some good casting, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think just to add on to Dave's thoughts for, for that episode, I agree kind of with what he's saying about, you know, delving into the lore a little bit. Um, and the way it sort of sets up certain characters. But this, this episode is shot so beautifully. Like we, we've, we've spoken previously about other episodes and the cinematography of them, but this is just so good to, the framing on some of these shots when they're just showing the gate and, you know, people appearing, like with the, with the, the color that they use in the sky and the way that they kind of, they grade the foreground and the background and stuff. It's just, it's so well shot and edited. I think this is, Probably, even though it's a lot of greys, a lot of browns in that world, you know, a lot of sort of blacks where a load of the trees have all been burnt and stuff. And it's, it's sort of dire until you get into the, the central kind of courtyard, um, where the, you know, where, where they kind of, um, it, it's not quite a palace, but it sort of leads you into this, um, kind of very Japanese sort of, um, setting where you have the the town outside and then the palace in the middle and that's where all the beauty is where all of the lovely sort all of the water. Uh, cherry blossom is and and you know where there's water like the only place there's actually water in this planet uh, but it sets it up very well and it, it, it frames it and shoots it absolutely beautifully i think this is probably my favorite episode for that yeah there's- just to to add on uh I think the one, I mean, we're not going to talk about shot by shot, but just that opening mm-hmm. se- um, se- series of scenes um, with which introduces Ahsoka as somewhere like it's foggy. We get an, a notion mm-hmm. of the layout of that town, but just be, like it's got an outer wall and you've got you know, a style of armor we haven't seen. And clearly uh, Michael Bean is a mercenary slash head of the guard. We're not sure yet at that point, but he's like clearly in charge of the the uh, military mm. part while there's this lady carrying a spear who's sort of in charge of the town um and then ahsoka is like doing stealthy jedi shit like she's like in the fog they're like i think i see her well, where'd you go and she's got these dual fucking white lightsabers that she's doing what you should do when you're attacking and don't want to be easily spotted, which is turn on, kill, turn off. Yeah. <laughs> Walk away. Where did I go? I don't know. Cause it's not this bloody beacon showing everywhere, <laughs> exact, everyone where exactly to aim. Uh, I thought it was a really, and really a cool way of like making the, her approach to the lightsaber feel dynamic and different. Cause she's mm. got these two lightsabers. She's got a different fighting stance, but she's also clearly like doing guerrilla warfare stuff. Because she has to, because she's still, she might be a Jedi, but she's still one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was great. She's very un- un-Jedi-like in that way. She's not stood there with the big I am, like, yeah, come on, yeah. come for me. She's just wrecking shit. It's great. Oh, yeah. And I, it, I need to see more. I need to see more. If yeah, I, I mean. spin-off. There is, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so, the other thing is, exactly, like, I feel like. The series up until now, this is a really interesting turning point because the series up until now has shown that the Mandalorian is just one of the best fighters. Like, especially mm-hmm. like that prison, I, you know, the, the, the episode I d- 
didn't really like that much yeah. in season one. Um, but it made, it's like, these are people he's all run with. They're all criminals. They're seasoned. They were picked, handpicked for this job. And he just like wrecks them because he's just better than it, than them all. And then you see the way Ahsoka like takes out so many more, like throughout the episode, she's just doing way more than he is. Like, but she also just, it seems like that from that opening scene that she's like, oh fuck, she's taking out like, like what, like seven, ten guys in the woods in a way that like Mando maybe could snipe, but like would have to yes. do much more brawling with them. And she's taking them out one by one. Like she's just like a, a different class of fighter. Yeah. And I, I think again, it shows it in the next episode as well. Uh, right at the end when they're escaping the Imperial, um, you know, base yeah. kind of where they've infiltrated that it takes the entire team of them to actually kind of escape and they need snipers They've got the two of them kind of in the base trying to fend people off and not kind of doing it amazingly. Um, but they need some, they need Boba in the, the ship. And so we'll talk about that in a second, but it, it kind of definitely is highlighted again later in the series to just say like how badass was Ahsoka. Yeah. It puts the Jedi's on a, on, on a very separate plinth of, of yeah. battle ability while still making it seem like he's still better than most fighters. I thought it was a mm. really good way of transitioning the series because up until this point, he's just, kind of become almost unstoppable you're like well no one can beat mando he's so good and now he has his magic armor and that and then it was like uh so i mean obviously we're gonna move on from this episode but like he fights michael bean ahsoka takes out like three assassin droids a couple guards and then hops over (laughs) a fence to to have this badass dual lightsaber versus beskar spear Mm. water like along the water side sort of like internal palace fight with elspeth and you're like Shit. And also is great because you have, you, you, it reminds you that Beskar's really magic, but also you're like, okay, so she's not just a figurehead. She's a warrior who's also a figurehead. Or yep. also like in charge. Cause she like held her own, knocked one of Ahsoka's lightsabers away. And like, yeah. It, it, again, it's just so well written and directed that you, it gave tension to that scene despite making, so she didn't feel like this, like just Deus Ex Jedi, which you just sometimes see in these shows. It's like, She's just unstoppable, but she's only one person. So there's, and then it's like, oh, but one on one, there are people out there who are very good. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen I've seen a few people um, sort of say that they felt like it, it, that she was just sort of in there for fan service and for the sake of it, and I I didn't get that impression at all. Mm. Like if she wasn't a character that was already established, she would have still been a good character. Um, I've said uh, on Reddit they were saying that they felt that they, she was just put in there just so that they have a jumping off point for a spin-off and I don't think that's the case. I yeah. thought if we never saw her again, it would have been a cool moment with a cool character that we wanted to see more of, not just someone that we can then run another series with. Yeah, um, I I think there's always been that um uh kind of unknown element with Ahsoka as well about whether she survived the purge you know there's not been any kind of closure for that character we've never seen her die in in rebels or whatever the the latest chronological thing yeah, she's been incredible. in has been and now we know that she managed to somehow survive and is wrecking shit yeah. around the galaxy in different places trying to help people still you know still doing that jedi stuff so it's 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 a very good kind of reintroduction to uh to her as an older character but also it does give a little bit of closure i suppose on those other shows that that she did survive um and she's a fan favorite so of course they're going to make more 
stuff with her. But... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes me want to go back and explore those other programs to get her mm. backstory because I've, I've I've tried Clone Wars in the past and it just never grabbed me. But I, I think I'm going now after. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss it after we we move yeah. on to what's coming next. But now that things are being tied in together a lot of bit more, mm. I do want to kind of see the relationship between her and Anakin and and her yeah. introduction and so on. So it, it yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. So I think, uh, just to, to cap that off, I, I mean, I, I think the beginning of Clone Wars is a little bit of a slog, but boy, does that show age well. And by that, I mean, like as it, it matures really well, like the, the seasons get better and better. Uh, as I think they got more street cred, um, with the corporation less like, ugh. but yes. So, um, also I just, I think it was nice to see the force interaction just again, because yeah. this is a, a Star Wars film that's not obviously around a Force user or, like, instead of just Grogu, like, occasionally doing powers, it was like, this is minimal training, but also communing, uh, mm. and Ahsoka being like, uh, I can't do this because I'm not really a Jedi is, is a nice little Easter egg nod, but again, I think, Dave, you're right. Like, if she, if you didn't know the backstory, it was just like, oh, cool. That is like, I think people forget that sometimes, like, uh, a character is mysterious and they don't have a backstory and they can be interesting. And if you didn't know anything about Ahsoka, you would feel that way. But because you are a jaded Star Wars fan, you can't put <laughs> yourselves in the shoes of, okay, so what would it be like to meet this very badass character for one episode? Yeah. But there's a bunch of badass well, my- characters we have met for one episode, and you didn't think, ah, you know, would they have been fan service just because it was a reused character? A- exactly, yeah, no, exactly, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, let's nice. mo- jump over to uh, Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Um, this is, uh, yes, so, the Mandalorian takes Grogu to the ancient temple on Tython and places him on the seeing stone at its center. Grogu meditates and is surrounded by a protective energy field. Meanwhile, Boba Fett soon arrives with the mercenary Fennec Shand, who the Mandalorian had previously left left for dead on Tatooine. That's the sniper. Uh, Fett explains that the armor won by Cobb Vanth belongs to him, as his father, father Jango was a Mandalorian foundling. Mandalorian agrees to return the armor in exchange for the safety of Grogu, just as Moff Gideon arrives and deploys stormtroopers. The three of them repel the stormtroopers' attack, during which time Grogu finishes meditating and the energy field around him disappears. Gideon destroys the Razor Crest from orbit before deploying his droid dark troopers, who succeed in capturing Grogu via jetpacking all around. To honor their deal, Fett and Fennec promise to to help the Mandalorian get Grogu back. They travel in Slave One to Navarro and ask for Dune's help in breaking criminal Migs Mayfield out of the New Republic prison. That's the entire thing. Uh, what shocked me about this one, uh, I just want to get this out of the way, is it was like 32 minutes. Yeah, it was. It was short, but I, I think not a, not a huge amount happened. They, they, it's that kind of, it's that point where they had to get Grogu into the hands of Gideon so they could kind of finish the, the show. And I don't think they had a, any kind of story around that to, to be able to do it. Apart from then going, well, we need the ensemble cast back to be able to do the last couple of things. This is where we kind of bring everything in together from, you know, all of the episodes so far. And then there's the, tragedy at the end of, of Grogu being taken. Um, it's not it's not a weak episode. It's just that they needed that stepping stone to get to the end of the show, I think. I think of the of the four we're talking about today, it is the weakest. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I, I didn't really enjoy this one that much. I felt it was a bit not predictable, but just not very. It just wasn't very. I mean, after the last one, I, I watched them all in one go. Remember as well, yeah, so I yes. didn't have the week to week. Um, like, unfortunately, it was all spoiled for me as well. So right. no, there was, there's no surprises coming. Um, seeing Boba Fett's quite cool, but overall, I just didn't feel like everything that happened in this episode spread out over that short period of time was was just linear. It was just like mm-hmm. this happens, yeah. this happens, this happens. Let's get to the next episode, and that's what it felt like to me. Um, Still not a bad, you know, overall not a bad episode. It's not, you know, it's still good telly. It just, yeah. it was just a bit weak, especially after last week's yeah. really good one. And then the following one is, is amazing. And it just sort of sits in the middle as being just a little bit on the weak side. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think again, it, it, it's, it's there to, to showcase, uh, Fennec and Boba Fett and how they fight. Cause we haven't seen a huge amount of that. Um, so it kind yeah. of it sets those characters up in a way that they're going to then be used in the next yeah. couple of episodes. Yeah, so. I mean, I think, but I think you, you're bang on that. Like, if you streamed the whole thing, you binged it, um, you're not going to really be that like ah, because you're just going to watch the next one, it'll be fine. Mm. But on the stepping stone comment, I think that just shows it's bad series design. <laughs> like that's yeah. just bad yeah. series direction because it's. Yes, it's streaming, so you don't have to have traditional TV time slots. But the rest of this like two series show is roughly forty five minutes mm-hmm. a, a spot, and then you can you barely hit two thirds that. And yeah, it was about thirty thirty two thirty two minutes, and that includes yeah. credits. Like wow, really? Okay. Yeah, and yeah, and no, and was, like sure. there's no plot. Like it's they get to the planet and they have a fight and they lose the fight. Like that's not they, like, and there's nothing. There's no middle things that could be interesting. It's just like sh- you're right. It's just showcasing them, and I felt like it's like mostly. Uh, oh, actually, we we were gonna have this at the tail, at the beginning of the next episode or something, and they realized that like the way they were cutting up the episodes didn't really have a good spot on the end of one mm-hmm. or the beginning of the other, so they stretched it, and that way they could. This is I feel is the most fan service because I agree it shows. Boba Fett fighting for basically the first time because he mostly just lets Vader do all the work with his dad bod. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but like that's it, uh, and that feels more like well, you we know you like this guy, so you, you'll sit through thirty minutes of fighting if it's this guy. Mm. Um, even the way they handled like I liked that it was just like oh, I guess you don't have a ship now. But I think it, if there was like more story around it or like more mm-hmm. of an interplay between Fett. Fennec and Mando. Yeah. Then, yeah. then you could you'd be like, "Fuck, I'm stuck here." While they're arguing about the armor, him losing the 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 ship and now being stranded, but still being like, "No, you don't just get Mandalorian armor because you claim your dad was one or whatever." You know, mm-hmm. like something. Mm-hmm. While instead, it was just like Mando lands, they argue a bit, then then his ship blows up after the armor is extracted, so it's fine. And then we just have a couple shot shootouts and they, they were, it was very good action sequence and I was really let down by that because it's just all that, all that there was. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 just to sort of finish my, my thoughts on the episode. Um, I'm, I thought Typhon canonically was an ice planet. I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. But also. <laughs> we all knew the Razor Crest was going to get destroyed at some point. You wanted it uh, so bad. I know. I, I hate that ship. Um, 
I wanted it to just be exploded, and we got oh, it battered and battered and battered <laughs> in the first few. I like it. I don't it. know why you hate it. So I don't, yeah, I don't really understand the hate of the ship. I prefer that to Slave One. To be honest, I've always thought Slave One was a bit of a. Oh, it's Slave, Slave, Slave One, one is Slave like you will get a nosebleed every time. It yeah. just looks like the most inconvenient ship going. Slave <laughs> yeah. One. Like, it is. It is, but it looks cool. Does it? Yeah, I oh. like Slave One. It looks cool. Does I mean, it's it, not. Though? I mean, we got like you know, I also got this for Christmas. Like the fucking yeah. Jedi Interceptor, Anakin's ones. So and like, one fits stuff like the, that like, looks fucking curves cool. Curves and lines right? of Star Wars ships better than... So I think the biggest complaint I have with... But it's also why I like it, is like it doesn't look like a Star Wars ship, but I like that because mm. it's supposed to be pre... Like one of the reasons why they need it for the prison heist is because it's like old. And so it's yes. pre-registration or whatever. Whatever that means, right? Pre-Empire registration. Mm. So I like that it looks like a different era of ship. Um, but it does look more like a Firefly ship than a... Yes, it uh, does. It definitely does. Like, like and I think that's ship. probably pur- purposeful because, boy, Space Western vibes is exactly what they needed yeah, to like, convey yeah. in episode one really hard. And that's probably why it looks the way it looks is because they wanted mm. it to... Well, we're introducing the ship. It's got to fit what we're trying to force. Um, yeah. Also, um, you're, uh, so Titan has a meridional ice cap. Right. Um, it doesn't matter what that means. Uh, what does so have matter have we seen is, this planet before? Yeah, what it does matter is I think this is the only planet in Star Wars that has more than one <laughs> <Season>. biome. <laughs> well, yes, uh, and it must also have more than one Jedi temple. Because, yeah, I, I, I thought the Jedi temple was in the ice part. I can't remember where I've got that, where I've picked that up from. Uh, well, I mean, judging it's by in my Wikipedia. Mind. Uh, there's a comic that definitely took place on the ice cap that looks like it's temple-ish, and there's Jedi's. Mm-hmm. So, cool. right. But they would have. Had I mean, I, I didn't even know this was a, 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 an already known planet. To be honest, I just thought it was a, another random planet. Yeah. Hey, again, th- we're, we're living up to the title <laughs> of the show. Yep. We there's a no, thing. No, no, it no, might no. be this. Yeah. No gatekeeping. No. No actual knowledge. We are weak geeks. <laughs> Um, cool. Uh, any last thoughts on that? Not I was really. like, there's not a lot, I guess. <laughs> not no. really, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, for me, the, the whole, oh, look, Boba Fett back in action also had nothing on me, because I know it's almost sacrilege to say, but he's not a character I've ever cared about. I've never understood Fair. the, yeah. the, the fascination with this one, this, this two bit character that I know he was fleshed out in other media. Yeah, I mean, well, in the overall, fish. yeah, overall, he's just a, Bit character. Django Fett had more interesting storylines than, yeah. than Boba ever did. So I, I yeah, it, it just doesn't do anything to me. I'm not, you know, obviously, again, we're going to speak into the future. I will be watching the, the Boba Fett series, but mm. has, he hasn't done anything at all up to now for me to care that he's back, properly yeah, back as fair. well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Kind of just that, that reveal was just wasted really on yeah. me. Guess who's back? Fennec's a good character though. I'm interested Boba's to see more back. of her. Fennec? Yeah, she's... Yeah. Yeah. She's a great actress. Um, oh, she yeah, I mean, she's not she? Yeah. She, I mean, a little bit typecast, because she seems to just play badass women, but yeah. that's fine. That's yeah. absolutely fine, because she is one, so <laughs> that's great. Um, but yeah, overall, not a not a great episode. Yeah. Okay, let's hop over to Chapter 15, The Believer. So, refresh of memory, this is the one that Ben was mentioning... Uh, with the Imperial fights and base. Dune! Cara Dune! So, again, we, like, break Biggs Mayfield, who's one of the guys from the prison episode, 
was broken out of the last episode, Dune uses her new credentials as Marshal to transfer Mayfield from prison to her custody. He agrees to help locate Moff Gideon's cruiser, but needs access to an internal terminal. He suggests a secret Imperial mining hub on Morak. There, Mayfield and Mandalorian hijack a transport carrying the explosive mineral Rhydonium, and they manage to reach the mining facility despite attacks from local pirates. They get Gideon's coordinates from the terminal, but the Mandalorian is forced to remove his helmet in front of others for the first time since he took his Mandalorian oath. The pair are confronted by Mayfield's old Imperial commanding officer, who Mayfield kills when he gloats about the atrocities committed by the Empire in Operation Cinder. Mayfield and the Mandalorian escape with the help of Fennec, Dune, and Fett. Dune decides to let Mayfield go. The Mandalorian sends Gideon a transmission warning that he's coming for Grogu, paraphrasing a similar speech that Gideon had previously given. Let's hop over to... Ben seems like he's itching to say a it's, thing. Well, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite moments... In this, we do, we obviously don't see Pedro Pascal helmetless very much in this, but when they're having that conversation and you can see Bill Burr's character winding up and getting slightly more, uh, pointed with his questions and things, and you just see Pedro Pascal look at him and just shake his head at yeah. him. And it's just, it's just a, a nice little, not quite comedic moment, but you're like, it's that kind of moment where you're like, it's gonna, it's going down, right? We know now it's kind of going down. And it's nice to see Pedro Pascal's face and a little bit of emotion rather than just, you know, we've, we've spoken again before about the way that he holds himself as the Mandalorian and his movement and things like that. But it is, it is nice to have just that little moment of kind of eye contact and the way he, you know, just conveys his, his want for them not to fuck this up, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I actually think this of the, this might be my favorite episode, even mm. though it has problems. Um, I think any any you know base that can be blown up with one sniper shot has a serious security <laughs> flaw. That that seems ridiculous. Um, but apart from that, I mean, I loved seeing the more the more humanized empire because um, mm. we don't really see that. We always see them as the, the 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 bad guys, the masked bad guys who are just out and out evil. But when when the trucks get back to the base and they they're, they're celebrating the the, the the minor victory overall that these have come back and survived, and, and they're patting people on the back. I mean, it, it's it's nice to see that more, just making them a little bit more human. Um, even if they are still evil space Nazis, it's, yeah. you, you're, yeah. you're getting that other side of the coin, which I think Star Wars has always kind of missed. Absolutely, um, it's, it's more reminiscent of a scene where the rebels have just got back, isn't it? From from yeah. defeating the Death Star or, or any yeah, kind it, of mission that's been successful, it's, it's, they they ape that very well. And, and I think, yeah, and it's great to see. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a very much a hey, and I think it it actually is very influenced by the sequel trilogy of humanizing mm. the stormtroopers and stuff because you never see them just coming home and being people on a side you know like the yes. nazis came home and had a cup of tea or whatever just like everyone else because like they're people um mm. and star wars has very much up until now been uh good versus bad and bad as this like huge monolithic idea of the empire and there's only like the people at the top who get like agency in mm. representation and stuff. And now it's like, this is like, again, I think it helped. This is why I really like this approach is fleshing out the universe is making it's adding grit by in way, by way of like depth of all characters, 
by even just showing stormtroopers milling about after a fight and cheering on that, you know, one group of them made it. Thank God you guys made it because a lot of them didn't. That seems yeah. like a normal thing people would do, even if they didn't yeah. care about Rhydonium, right? It's just like we're on the same team and, you know, hoo Good, good job. Our chums. boys are home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, I, I love that. And I want to see, I, I, you know, I do want to see more of that as we're, we're sort of going from the Empire into the First Orders as Mandalorian goes on. Mm. Um, definitely want to see more of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bill Burr as well. Like, he absolutely stole this episode, I thought. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Because especially considering just how been, he was in season one. Yeah. N- not really a character I cared about in season one. Yeah, it was just <laughs> dick, right? Generic yeah. dick. Who's like, I don't know, maybe we'll steal that pet thing because it'll piss Mando off. Hey, Mando, you're yeah. a dick. And like, again, you were mentioning the needling scene, uh, was like kept, it wasn't like that character changed. It was just like we're seeing different angles at character. And mm-hmm. I think it, it was so smart to have the like inciting incident be. There was an atrocity I lived through that I clearly have trauma on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm a joking guy and I'm a dick. But like, I I can't right. Like it was so human, but still fitting his character. Just like learning more about him. It's like, yeah, you know what? That must have been really terrible because he's so self-serving and selfish that he would not fuck up this mission on a whim. But he's just like so overwhelmed with, fuck you, no, you can't make these jokes. Ah, bang, right? Like, and and he shows it really well on his face, and it's just again just shows really three-dimensional character. I think it's. Uh, so I really like that. I think the helmet scene I wasn't super on board with, especially the way that it was so casually like, yeah, it's fine. Because although, because that's where it felt weird about the Bill Burke character to me, because, uh, or Miggs? Miggs? Miggs, yeah, Miggs Mayfield, because it's like, yeah, he so, made such yeah. a big deal in both the episodes up until this point about the, um, the helmet and joking about his faith and stuff, and it's a big fucking deal, and he knows because they have history. He knows Mando's mm. Mando cult, right? And and he's just like, nah, I won't tell anyone. It, I see why they did it narratively, but it really felt weird. Um, and I think part of it is like, I think if they had treated it more like he had to take it off for the scanner, and you could see. But you, no one saw it. Like he didn't turn and they didn't yeah. have eye contact. So there was still that slight plausible deniability of did anyone, I, I took my face, uh, mask off in front of people, but they didn't see my face, which was the big deal he went through with the, uh, robot in the end of yes. season one. Yeah. And I felt like that would be an interesting callback, but also still spoiler when he, the next time his helmet comes off is kind of, lessened by that it absolutely is yeah and and it felt so it felt so needless and then and it also cheapened bill burr's character because it felt really like and now because he's shot a really bad guy he's a good guy and says good things and his character isn't really antagonistic anymore he's like yeah don't worry i'll keep your cigarette or whatever you never took it off well it'd be interesting be interesting to see how he comes back in season three if he does Mm. um and the way that they then use him, because obviously, at the end of this episode, they let him, Caradoon lets him go, because yeah, of the, which the assistance. which also felt weird. It felt like, this is how we get yeah. Bilber keeping in the universe. But she's like, well, you did a good thing, but also she was real pissed at him at the beginning, and they were asking for help, and he just did the help, but also yep. did the help in a way that really jeopardized the mission, because he couldn't yeah. keep his gun in his pants, literally. It just felt so weird to be like, well, you, yeah, don't worry about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I want to see him again. I really liked. Mm. I, I think I I was surprised at his acting, and that that scene that that scene was great. But I I I'm kind of don't want to see him again now. Sure. Um, yeah. And if and if we do see him again, have him come back being an asshole again because mm. you, you adults right, you don't just have a change of character just like that just because he's got a bit something off his chest. Yeah. He he's still he's still obviously a knobhead. Um, yeah. So he should carry on being a galactic knobhead. I don't know what the uh, correct term for that would be, but no. If he comes back in season three, he needs to be another fawn in the side, not an ally, as such. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, you you have the problem with long running yeah. franchises where because people like a character, they end up being good, so that they get more screen mm-hmm. time or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we all remember how well that worked for Heroes and Sky- uh, Sila. <laughs> mm. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we all remember heroes. All yeah. of us. Are. In twenty twenty one the biggest <laughs> cultural touch point we've ever heard of. Listen, right, I'm still not recovered from that. That was the best series one of any series ever, and then we got I so I well, think the ba- the the last third of Heroes uh season one wasn't great, but it had such goodwill from the beginning that you're like Okay, it's a little rocky, but also they didn't know if they were going to necessarily get renewed. So you'd get this with, like, U.S., um, like, smaller shows. Sure. Um, mm. But then season no, two I mean, happened during the writer's strike, and that's a thing for our Wednesday also, podcast. Uh, out of here. Yeah, all right, all right, let's, yeah, no, let's, it wasn't already a podcast at some point. I think it might have been. That's why, that's why I paused. I'm like, wait, am I, <laughs> like, is this just like an obvious thing that we never actually made or is this a thing that we did make and I've kind of forgotten? God, I hope so. I'm going to look back over that. Anyway, let's stick, let's, let's stick on track. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now we get to the last episode of season two, chapter 16, The Rescue. The Mandalorian and Dune board an Imperial shuttle and capture Dr. Pershing. They enlist the help of Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves. In return, Bo-Katan gets Gideon's cruiser and the Darksaber, and the Mandalorian considers helping, considers helping them to liberate Mandalore. They use the shuttle to get close enough to crash land on Gideon's cruiser, with Fett pretending to attack them in Slave One as a distraction. Bo-Katan, Koska, Fennec, and Dune fight through the stormtroopers to the cruiser's bridge. Meanwhile, the Mandalorian finds the dark troopers, barely defeats one of them with the Beskar spear, and ejects the rest into space. He fights Gideon with a spear and overpowers the moth, making him the new rightful owner of the Darksaber. Oops! The dark troopers fly back onto the ship, but are all destroyed by a Jedi who arrives by himself on an X-Wing and has one metal hand and one regular hand and (laughs) is mostly CGI. Uh, His name is Luke Skywalker, a Jedi that Grogu apparently <laughs> contacted Jedi. on Tython. Uh, the Mandalorian gives Grogu permission to go with Skywalker and and a blue and white robot, uh, sorry, droid, to complete his training. Later, Fett and Fennec travel to Jabba's palace on Tatooine, where Fett kills Bib Fortuna and claims the throne. Um, obviously, it's impossible not to talk about the last scene first, but we're going to try because I think it's worth talking about how the episode is great despite that very fan service, but also very well plotted and interesting moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely overshadowed the discourse on 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 the episode. It was like that yeah. final scene, or well, second final scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so one thing I did want to point out is I liked that it was it it, it very much felt like um, the Mandalorian was collecting capable fighters as he went along, and I think it's very important to note that like. They were all like, um, 
women fighters. Yeah, yeah. and and the, and they, it's it's very clearly planned to have Boba Fett, who just showed he was capable a couple episodes ago, and and then with his sniping sort of stuff. Um, well, no, he was just a pilot in the last episode, but I think it was very telling that they, that they put him in the ship as the distraction. And, yes. Um, and so it was just Mando and these um three women well if they if they hadn't how awkward would that have been later in the episode right like if if boba was still around i mean that would have been incredibly yeah. incredible oh you you're moment. the guy who kind of accidentally no, slapped I don't the jetpack think... no han yeah, did yeah i don't know if i don't know if luke would even remember who he was yeah probably like, not He's probably just another henchman. Because to to him and everyone else in the Star Wars universe, he was just a henchman. <laughs> like I think he was. But they <laughs> haven't got years of fandom yeah, <laughs> about exactly. this character. Well, and also because he's wearing a helmet, you wouldn't even know that he is well, a clone, right? That's true. Right. So yeah, it would yeah. just be like got other guy in Mandalorian helmet uh, armor, yeah. and that that armor is beat up and not shiny. Well, it's, and it, it's interesting that they also dropped that um, the male Mandalorian character. From mm. I think so that's why I brought it up because I'm pretty sure they dropped yeah. it because yeah. then you could have this, which again I think is the right way to do representation because it felt very organic. Except mm. except for the telling missing of the big bruiser male one, they they were in the thing earlier. Bo-Katan's very capable. She's like telegraphed us so she's shown that show. So they also make sure to show even though Koska's like a bit character that she has her little like tiff with Mando mm-hmm. or not Mando a uh, Boba to yeah, show yeah. that like. Boba has just shown it again. It's it's like this. We've seen Boba's very capable, and then she seems to go toe to toe with Boba. So we know she's good, and we don't have to give Air any more time because we don't have time. Uh, yeah. It's, again, it's just really well directed and thought out. Um, to to have their because you, you you just don't have time to have everyone a named character in that way. Like she's named, mm. but barely speaking. Um, but and then yeah, so th- this is where like. The fight with the one dark trooper who gets out the door before everyone else or whatever. And like Mando struggles. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, and in that fight, you're definitely like, so if they break through that fence, he's fucked. Like he can't, <laughs> what is he going to do? Cause they're now punching through. They're awake. Cause they're, turns out the, the best stormtrooper is one without any organic material. So battle droids is what they progressively got to, which uh, is just ultimately. like. Hmm? Ultimately, battle droids. Battle yeah, droids battle with a little droids. bit of midichlorians in. Yeah, battle somehow. droids with, with Grogu blood, we assume. Mm. So, so Dark Troopers, are they just a Mandalorian thing? Have we seen no, Dark, Dark Troopers were in um, Dark Forces video game. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. But they were people inside. Yes. So, so people right. inside mech suits, basically. Yeah. So the Dark so Troopers this... have always been like, yeah, super armored, kind of cyborgy sold um and then so the point moff gideon says is i kept trying to make them better on my own time basically Mm. and it turns out the way to make them better is to make a beefier assassin droid but also clearly the grogu stuff has to do with it was because we didn't actually get told Mm. but it seemed very obvious from the telegraphing that like the midichlorians slash grogu blood were used somehow with these guys science and magic yeah yeah I quite, I quite like them as a, as a concept. I just, I didn't know if I was supposed to know who they were, mm-hmm. sort of thing. I, yeah, like, I don't think you I, were. I, I, I kind of, so. I kind of got what they were, but I was like, have I missed some sort of exposition somewhere? Was I looking at my phone when they were describing what these actually were? But, um, no, that, that's fine. I, yeah. I mean, I think the yeah. point you, all you had to get was like, 
these are badass and, and like Gideon's been oh, yeah, working towards making them badass in some way. Sure. I think that's all, all, um. And that, and that came across very yeah. well, cause that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like, and so like, they storm the bridge, Manda goes to stop the things and find Grogu. Uh, so he, he like, barely, like, barely survives this fight with one dark trooper and then he immediately has to fight Gideon with Gideon and the dark saber. Um, which is the name of my sophomore album, Gideon and the Dark Saber. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so I, I mean, what do you guys think of that fight and like the back and forth sort of with Mando having just been in a really balls to the wall fight? Um, I think for me, it shows that whilst Gideon is or at some point was a capable fighter, he isn't quite anymore and maybe he's been out of the field and in command a little bit too long doesn't quite have the stamina obviously the Mandalorian does we've just been in this big fight with a droid he then fights uh, a Gideon he can just keep going and keep going and keep going and I think that's the the big point of that fight as well to show that the Mandalorian is not going to stop that he's kind of uh, just relentless in getting kind of what he wants and we kind of know that anyway with him being a bounty hunter and being quite a successful bounty hunter uh, but that he can just keep going and that Gideon maybe isn't quite as big of a bad as we think he is in a physical sort of sense absolutely in terms of what he can do with the yeah. with the, the might of the Empire behind him but on a on a one-to-one basis uh, he's not not that great. Capable, capable uh, pilot as well. Uh, what yeah. we saw in the in the in the end of season one, but yeah, it's not not a match for for Mando. I think that's a really uh, prescient point because it's it, up until this point, it's like he is clearly badass. He's got the Vader armor. He's supposed to be yes. a warrior. He's shown off both piloting skills and fighting skills, or at least seems like the dark saber isn't just accoutrement. Uh, so, which is again, like, all very much like allusions to Vader, uh, who is the big bad, obviously, of, of, well, I mean, let's not get into the argument of who the big bad of the series is. Uh, spoiler alert, it's the fans. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so, so it's, it was very interesting to see that, like, it only goes so far, so she's just older, and it felt like that. Mm. Like, it felt like he would have, he could have, if he was younger or when he was younger, this might have been a different fight. And I thought, again, that was really well telegraphed. Um, and then, and, and even, but he also shows like later, cause he's like, he's constantly scheming. He's not given up. Yes. Like he, they telegraph him when he's in the, on the floor in the, um, bridge that they telegraph the like, there's a gun there. And then like yeah. five minutes later, he moves to the gun or arranges to be moved to the gun. Like it's really well paced. It's not like, he sees a gun and then lunges for it. And it's like, ha ha. It's like, I will. I see this. I note this. I'm still going to be really hands off, but I'm going to make my way to that. And as soon as I find an opportunity. And I think that again, that shows really calculated thinking on both the character, but also the writers in writing a calculated <laughs> thing, like just really well done, small, yeah. like nugget. Uh, for me though, I, I think if I'm going to nitpick that fight, it, it's not the actual fight itself. It's just that like it, the whole spear was a bit too convenient like it is blatantly plot armor isn't it like we, we got given that earlier for this reason and it was yeah. a bit too a little bit too much of the um like yes we've collected these characters on the way so that they all become useful at the end that's fine and i get that but with the the spear it just felt a little bit too 
too convenient. Yeah. Because if he didn't have that spear, then where would we have been here? So he just happened to have gotten this, this, yeah. I mean, Beskar in general is, is the ultimate plot armor, isn't it? It's, it's a bit too good for me. Mm. Um, and then, and then all of a sudden it, it's so rare, but we have now got full armor and a spear. Yeah. Seems a bit too, yeah. Um, but that's only a little bit of a, a an epic. It, it didn't bother me enough for me to not enjoy it. I like Gideon as a character, and 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 overall, it was it was it was good. It was it was a great watch. But yeah, that 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 just didn't sit as I think it well with me as I think it could have done. Yeah, I think, and a large part of that is because they wanted him to have a sword fight, basically something yeah, like one. But I also agree, like it feels really weird that he would have really been that well trained on that. That as well, yeah. He had a bit of a ray because like um, none like, of the other Mandalorians really have like. Um, melee spears or swords or whatever, like except the dark saber, we don't really see in any of the flashbacks or whatever. Mandalorians just use guns, right? Yeah. So, and what, so yeah, he's exactly. just like really good a with a spear, and and it's even weirder when you think about it because he's ended this series as the official wielder of the dark saber. So now he's got the Beskar spear and the dark saber. So like, if you wanted him to have some sort of like long melee weapon, he is getting one. So yeah, the spear feels very much like a very convenient for like fight yeah. design fan servicey thing. Also, I agree. Like, I would I would have loved to see him try and fight by like having to use the Beskar on his body to block mm. yeah. the dark saber yeah, repeatedly yeah, or stuff instead of like a couple hits because he wasn't quite as good. Yeah, I mean, it it, it doesn't detract how. Oh no, I'm done with the series how, after how that. I, didn't, I turned it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um no, I, I yeah, I just No, I think it's I, I'm not a fan of convenience. I'm not a fan of, of overly obvious convenience as well. I mean maybe if he'd got it in season one, if it wasn't as fresh in my mind, even if I did watch more than one chunk, it wouldn't have been as as bad, but it, it just felt like I've only just got this beer, but it's a good job I did, because otherwise I'd be dead. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean but, I um, think that yeah. that's really important. Uh like the one of the reasons why I really like the show is because it's down to Titan or whatever planet it happens to be. Like it feels more grounded and real. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with less, fewer of those like Deus Ex convenience plot points or things. Yeah. Uh, the Beskar armor in general, I already felt like now, like it used to be like when he started the series, he had to dodge things. And he was good at mm. dodging things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think to show off that the Beskar's magic, he just gets hit by more things. It's like, he's yeah. actually functionally become worse. Like, if you really <laughs> think about it, he's like, he used to not get hit by lasers. Now, luckily, he has this armor because he keeps getting hit by lasers. Yeah, there's, 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 there's have... moments on that, on the capital, uh, not quite a capital ship, but a cruiser ship, isn't there, yeah. that's got all the weapons on, uh, on the, on the water planet. And he essentially just runs forward with those grenades to throw at people. He's like, yeah, yeah I can just, I can just get hit by blasters constantly. But also, yeah. I feel like it, it, it sucks because, like, cause it's blasters, you're not, it's not clear what the concussive impact of a blaster bolt is. So, like, when you get shot wearing a bulletproof vest, it still bruises because there's still force mm. that's being spread mm. out of the place. Sure. And here it seems like it pings and he goes, oh, it pinged me. But then he's fine and there's no real repercussion f- to not, well, fuck it. I might be the world's best warrior, but uh, I'm just going to run into your bolts because unless you hit that one patch on my leg yeah, the wrong way, I- it's all going to bounce back and apparently I'm fine. 
Like, I would have loved to see, like, someone with a big gun hit him in the leg, and his head leg not be permanently injured, but it, like, take him out, or just some mm. notion that the Beskar armor prevents him from being, like, laser-beamed to death, but still did some damage. Again, it felt, it, it feels less in line with the way the stakes had been previously. Again, it felt very much like he was in peril. Yeah. But very yeah. good at avoiding peril, and now it's like, well, you know, Beskar. Yeah, I mean, if he just had half, like, half Beskar and half normal, that, that would still work, I think. Yeah. That's why I thought they were going with. I thought when, when, when I first started the series, I thought, this is a man trying to get a complete set of armor, but that just didn't really pan out like that. Yeah. I think if he'd, if he'd had a helmet and an arm guard and maybe, I don't know, a hip. Well, I think <laughs> a hip plate or, or, or some still Beskar tapped boots or something like that, it would have been great. But to have the full armor, it, it, you're right. It has, I think there's it has one spot that isn't on his leg, but also, um, that's what really pissed me off about the jetpack. He earned his jetpack, but he also earned a G- Beskar jetpack for like, it felt, <laughs> it, it, again, it's about like, it, it makes it feel unearned, all the mm, other stuff. Yeah. When it's like, oh, actually, he just, it's, it's super rare, apparently, except not really. So, like, actually, when he got that first, like, how bad was he before the series started that he only had a pauldron? Because he just keeps swimming in Beskar. It's not that hard to find. Everyone yeah. seems to have it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, like, I, I would, I, in, there's no reason not to just give him a regular jetpack, except you want it to be just a shiny. Mm. You can polish. You can polish a steel one. Yeah, but time. it would be. It would have to be two toned. It's like ah, we'll just. We'll, yeah. Costume department will save some time. Um, but yeah. So anyway, um, we talked about all the fights. The the I think the dark saber reveal, and then we'll go into the the Luke. Um, so dark saber reveal, I thought was a really cool plot point, and that is you to gain ownership of the dark saber, which is the signifier that you are the rightful ruler of Mandalore, uh, according to the lore, um, is to beat the current holder of the Darksaber in combat. You don't have to kill him. Boy, do you have to beat him. <laughs> so, who's policing that, though? Well, so, so this is, this is sort of what they, they touch on when, when she's like, wait, why do you have Gideon? Cause Gideon is supposed to be on the bridge. Like, oh, he was totally holding Grogu hostage. Uh, here's your sword that you wanted. And she's like, I can't. And then that's like the one thing Casca does, right? It's like, you can't just have the sword. You must earn the sword or whatever her oh. line is. Uh, she needs to get over it if you want, if I'm honest. She just needs to be like, all right, cool, cheers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, right. so, but they, so Gideon has a bit of a, I think it's Gideon, right? He, someone points out that like, it's not like the sword is yeah, magic. It is it's that the, what gives the sword the power is the legend. So if you betray the legend, you betray the power. You don't get it anyway. Basically, if it comes out, which, I mean, unless you murder Gideon and Casca on the spot, really, um, like someone might accidentally, like, drunkenly say a thing at some point in time. Like, it, you will not get... You want this to unite the Mandalorians under your cause to retake the place. And this is a legend. This is myth. This is, like cultural has cultural weight but the cultural weight is because of this sort of thing and so so yeah but you can see her point of view which is the point i'm doing this so i agree like the the odds of it being found out in a way that would go against her are really low but of course she's the whole point is she thinks she needs to do this to have this thing to rally the troops because she thinks she needs the mandalorian culture to help pull push her up because Mm -hmm. 
that's how she can get people together. So then if that's the goal, I can't doing something that could potentially break that and break that forever. Because not only would she, would would she would the legend not be enough to galvanize them, but if they found out she lied about it, she will never lead them. Right? Yep. It's just a little bit too Harry Potter for me. Yeah, but I think that's what legends are, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll let them off. I'll yeah. Let them off. So so I thought that <laughs> yeah. was uh, in character good, but obviously like rationally <laughs> stupid. Unless you start thinking sure. about, like I said, how if it came out, not only would people not follow her but they probably never would because she betrayed like their culture and used it to her own advantage and that's if, really risky if we had elections in the uk and the only way you could <laughs> if we had elections in the uk uh, did i yeah. fall asleep and wake up and yeah <laughs> 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 yeah well, i could have worded that a little bit better but if, if the way we elected our next prime minister was was you know the, the previous prime minister had to be defeated in combat i probably would respect it more <laughs> but like Boris versus Theresa May. I mean, I may, I may even be more on Boris's side. So maybe I am completely wrong. If 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 they had, if they had, if Boris had won in combat with Theresa May, maybe I'd be more into Boris. And so yeah, I take back everything more. I've just said. I, I take back everything I said. I completely understand now. <laughs> I just didn't have it. I mean, to be fair, own. the way that that Theresa May was fucking about, uh, I think everyone would be behind anyone. <laughs> Which, yeah. boy, does that sound bad out Wait, of the context of this particular thing. <laughs> don't clip that. Um, but yeah, no, actually, I, I, yeah, we just, I just realized I'm advocating a man beating a woman. Yeah, too. yeah. Let's, and, 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 let's and move a, on. A, much, a younger man yeah. and an older woman. It, it doesn't track. Right. Uh, if anyone's wondering why I'm not on the Outer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we may have just discovered the reason. It's why, um, why, it's why it had to stop completely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was too many Dave associations. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, okay, so let, let's um, let's move on from that. I think that was a really interesting points about obviously foreshadowing in the next series. Which once we talk about Luke, mm-hmm. we'll go on to our thoughts about the rest, mm-hmm. and that will be our time. Um, We're but, almost an hour. Yeah. So then they see an X-wing come after Gideon does his bit with the pistol, basically. And mm-hmm. oh yeah, sorry. The dark dark the troopers dark all troopers, were like, yeah. "Hey, we're robots in space with jetpacks. We'll yeah. just get back on the ship via the like force fields." Which some people complained about. I'm like, "Have you seen the way the Empire designs like ships and has no railings on all kinds of walkways? It makes perfect sense that this battle cruiser just has an open to space, except yep. for a face, force field hallway." I completely buy it. It makes tons of sense. I didn't even think about it. Oh, yeah, there's some people like, they shouldn't have been able to come back in because why would the ship ever have that, especially on a walkway? Because they kind of just like fly in through the window like, yeah. like and just land on the walkway and then start walking about. And you're like... Have they just never seen a single hangar in Star Wars? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> just, uh, but it wasn't even a hangar, I think, is the best part. It was just yeah. like, oh, and that made it so. But it was much aesthetically more pleasing. A, a viewing, it was well, viewing it's just a well, yeah, exactly. It's just a well-designed walkway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you fall, there's nothing to stop you from falling, and you'll just immediately go into space because it's yeah. just a force field. Um, yeah, so, so the dark troopers, which I swear they multiplied. Um, yeah, they did seem a lot more because they like. They all, they march towards the bridge and then start punching the bridge doors, which, um, they've put the blast doors in. And it looks like all of them are there to me. Cause there's like 20 in rows of two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, and then this guy lands and just starts going through them. And he goes through as many as I thought were the total who are just like in and around. 
the on the way between the hangar and the um and the bridge and dude's in an x-wing dude's got a black cloak with his hood up dude has one, a green lightsaber and one metal hand and like as these things are going you're like wait really <laughs> no it's, it's 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 how i said it to when kim and i were watching it because obviously she doesn't quite have the same connection like, with star wars that that i do so uh, uh as soon as the x-men came in i'm like is it it's gonna be luke skywalker no yeah. no it can't be like and then when he gets on like holy shit they actually brought him into the episode yeah so it's like uh, into, half the fight the, i was like series. how are they gonna luke the luke because like this is what yeah. like it's supposed to be ten years after yeah after roughly the Jedi, uh, no. like that yeah. I thought it was only four or five oh, is it four or five yeah but I mean like clearly you can't use oh sure yeah, yeah. I just meant like how yeah. are they going to do it uh, they did it um, but um, yeah and I thought again this this is so I, I sort of hinted at this with the Ahsoka stuff but like boy does he just carve up these troopers like they're butter uh and again, it's like, yep, Jedi, completely different. And I think it's it, it's not needed to have these Jedi's be like, like, uh, like exponentially better than everyone else at fighting for the Mandalorian to work. But I think it shows that like, it's like each part of the greater universe, and the Jedi's are these because they're magic people with magic powers. Um, they just will be better than everyone. Mm. And this, this, I think they handled that really well, but also why it's important not to have, uh, too many, too many, um, scenes with Jedi's. Like this is, this is the grounded space Western. You can't have the magic mystical warriors. Um, yeah. So I thought they did it really well. Also, I mean, it's Deus Ex Skywalker, um, which we've seen many times before, but I think it works really well because this is, um, this is the Luke who beat the Emperor five years ago or whatever. This mm-hmm. is the Luke before he starts the school or maybe right beginning of the school. And this is the Luke who, like the height of his power and hubris, right? Like the whole point of in The Last Jedi is he f- realized he was being hubristic and wanted nothing to do with those. And he like fought his ego uh, and his doubt and pride and all those things that were in the Kylo- his attack on Kylo, right? His fears. Uh, and this is well before that. This is just when he's like still riding the high of basically being the best force user, one of the only force users. Um, and clear, like, and he's had five years of more training and experience. And so it makes sense that like he's doing more than he did in the throne room, right? He's just, he's actually a Jedi master, not in that he's like done the training and probably found the books and hasn't yet been disillusioned in them. Mm. So I wish I shared the, uh, the shock of seeing him. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I watched, I watched it more than one go, as I said, but not, not in one sitting, but I, 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 and I deliberately timed it so that I could watch the last episode with no spoilers. So I watched it the next morning. Um, and as I sat down to watch it, I got a notification on my phone from Google News saying, this is how they brought Luke Skywalker no. back for the Mandalorian finale. I was, I, I was literally loading up Disney Plus, oh, Disney Plus man. as it popped up. I've never had a Google News notification before either. <laughs> the night before I'd reset my phone because it was playing up and it obviously reset my notification preferences. So. Oh no. It, it, it just, it just couldn't have happened any other way. And I was absolutely devastated because it, it was so, you know, it was so clear in the headline that he comes 
comes back. So when I see the X-Wing, yeah, you're I know immediate, who's yeah. in it. So yeah. All of that aside, I still got such a buzz out mm. seeing it. I mean, even if I think the, the way they done it, the, 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 you know, the CG itself, the, the, I mean, the deep fake, almost deep fake, isn't it? They haven't quite, I saw, quite I actually, I mean, not to cut you off, but I accidentally did, so I guess I'll keep doing it. Um, <laughs> but I think that's, but when you said deep fake, that's what really shocked me was deep fake slash fake app. They do it way better than this. This was awesome. Exactly. You can watch a video on YouTube of a comparison between here it is as, as what, what it was live. And this is what it would be if we'd done it through deep fake. And the deep fake looks more lifelike. There's more life in his eyes. There's more life in his face. And but also it, 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 wor- it does look better. We've, we've, we've it looks seen- worse than what they did in the movies as well. Like the, mm. we know yeah. LucasArts has the technology slash Disney, right? Yeah. Because they used it. And it's like, Years and years ago, I'm, I'm sure I, I, it's aged better than in my head, um, the stuff they did in Force Awakens mm. w- yeah. with Grand Moff Tarkin and Leia, but like, boy, did that look that was, janky. Like, it was, that was Rogue it, One. But as well, like, we've, we've all seen those like side by side images of a young Mark Hamill and Sebastian Stan as well. And Sebastian yeah. Stan's part of the Marvel universe. He's already kind of employed within Disney. I don't get why they didn't lean into that. And I know Mark Hamill, I, Mark Hamill came back and he played the character. So he maybe didn't do quite so much of the action stuff, but the, the, the all of the dialogue and being stood on the bridge of the ship, like that was, that was Mark Hamill playing the character. Yeah, they, they did the dots um, and the face yeah, capture. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I just don't get it. Why we're at a point where the, that torch could be passed. Uh, Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that's I, I, the Disney Corporation being very afraid of. Not like, like they, they, well, the fan, well, like fan service and what, what's known, right? It's mostly like, we know people like Mark Hamill. If we change things mm-hmm. up, we also know we have bad mm-hmm. fans, but it's just the safe route is people didn't really mind when we, and full CG. And I actually think one of the problems is I, I suspect knowing what I know, the little I know about the technology is that, um, they did face capture and on an animated model of, of young Luke, while with the other mm-hmm. ones, they, did they do face capture of a different actor, or did they just animate them? Don't know. And now I now I said what I know about limit. I know about the technology. And then I realized I can't remember. So it doesn't matter. So uh, it, it feels so Tarkin was there was an actor on there that they put Tarkin's face on. Yeah, that's how they did Tarkin. Yeah, and I thought Tarkin looked fine. It was an, it's an actor bit, who kind of looks scenes. like Tarkin, and so it's really yeah. bizarre that um, Leia not so much. Yeah, I didn't think Leia worked mm-hmm. as much in, in the end of Rogue One, but both of them looked better. Mark, I love Mark Hamill, but absolutely should have recast yeah. him. Especially if now I don't feel like we can see much more of him in the future mm. if we do carry on with the yeah. Grogu storyline, which we can't just leave it there. So I assume we're going to see them again at some point. Yeah. Recast him so we can have that new Luke Skywalker. And hey, I'd like to see more Luke's, not necessarily his own series, maybe a limited series. I don't want to see a limited series of, you know, shiny eyed CG Luke. I want to see, Sebastian Stan would have been great. Yeah. There's so many other people they could use. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to have him look that much like him. We 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 know it's not real. We can have a Oh, so that's so, so that's the thing that Disney is like very bad at is trusting in the fans slash the audience. So that's what yeah. I mean by like like the safe route is to do that um because that's what Luke looks like. It's like, you know, like people have been watching films, et cetera, for, for ages. And it, all of, all of Star Wars is suspension of disbelief because midichlorians aren't a thing. Um, like, but it's, it, I mean, even in the Marvel movies, it's the same sort of thing, right? You see a lot of these like really simplistic 
choices that I think are just like, well, we don't want to confuse the audience. And you're like, mm. maybe the reason we like these shows is that they have depth. Yeah. I, I think they just don't have enough credit to their audience yeah. because the younger, the younger audience are probably not going to know who he is. Yeah. Not, they might know who Luke Skywalker is, but they're not going to know who Mark Hamill mm-hmm. is. You know, it, you can do that. That's fine. And then people like us who do know who he is also understand he's old. I, yeah. I love him. I love Mark Hamill to bits. I think he's a, a, an amazing, <laughs> he's such a funny character. Like, like person. as he is now, yeah. he's just, he's just not a Jedi anymore. Um, he, yeah. Give us, give us another loop. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I'm sure he'd, I don't think he'd mind. Oh, absolutely. Like, no, I think he's, he's been on record on, on stuff like that, I think. Or like retweeted stuff that seemed to indicate that. Um, we got another hand solo. Like, they didn't, they didn't yeah. CG, they didn't CG him in. Yep. And it will be weird now to recast him. Now that we've had a CG Luke, it would be weird now. Oh, well, yeah, they've kind of put themselves him. in a corner. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, um, Let's, so I recognize that we're at the hour. Um, so let's, um, talk a bit about the helmet scene that we said we would and then hopes for this series. Uh, and then we will talk more about the greater Star Wars universe on a later episode. So I will say, uh, I, I think I said my piece, uh, but I think it's worth reiterating. Boy, did I, was I touched and moved by a man taking a helmet off in front of a puppet? Um, yeah. In retrospect, it would have w- worked so much better if we hadn't had that scene in the previous episode. Yep. That again didn't need to be that dramatic and and also again because it was sort of brushed aside. I already felt like like it felt like the, that was really powerful in that episode because it's like he like he loves Grogu so much that he's just like nope, doesn't matter. Got to save Grogu. This thing that's been I've been brainwashed slash like drummed into me. And I've been following since I was 11 or whatever. Done. And like that was powerful. And it was a little weird that it was like not acknowledged in the episode by the character that should have. But yeah, cool. So then then they made that scene kind of worse because they tried to make this one a big deal. And this scene was worse because that one was there. Mm. And I felt like so like in the season, there's this weird tension about his helmet that just doesn't need to be there. And it sucks because it's so well done. Both Grogu just going and reaching and like you can tell quote unquote that the character Grogu knows he's saying goodbye and mm. has a sense that this is a big deal mm. that he finally gets to see because you have to remember his father figure is man in shiny helmet yes which I also kind of wish I mean he's got the force so he could probably tell if it was someone else, but I kind of wish someone else grabbed his helmet at some point and he was like, that's my dad. Let's go <laughs> adventuring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I thought the scene was, I, I loved oh, it. it. I mean, I didn't cry, but like it, I got choked mm. up. It was, it was a really well done. Like you say, shiny helmet, little puppet to, to make that emotional is, is, is impressive to the point where I showed my wife and Immy, my daughter, she's five. Um, show them the scene the next day on YouTube. Just they haven't seen the series; they're not interested yeah. in Star Wars. Um, and Immy cried. Mm. She had no context to the scene other than he was saying goodbye to to his daddy, and that's what she was upset about. Um, I mean, when did that air? This is, we're doing this now. It's been a couple of weeks. It has, right? yep. Yeah. It was before Christmas. Yeah. Um, last week. Two, we said, oh, there we go. Two nights ago, 
half past one in the morning, I think it was, Ibby came into the into our bedroom bawling her eyes out because she had just remembered the little green gremlin crying about his daddy. <laughs> so hmm. <laughs> obviously that just is a testament to how well done that scene was. It's It was so emotional yeah. that you ha- don't even have to have the context of his helmet for it to have been so. Yeah. So uh, absolutely, absolutely fantastic yeah. scene. I, I, I can't add anything to that. I, I agree with what yeah. you've, you've both said, yeah. Awesome. Um, so we know that there's, um, something in a Mandalorian spinoff with Boba Fett was the end of the series, which was on, mm-hmm. uh, the like stinger pre credits kind of thing. Um, but what are you guys hoping for this show? Um, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up and walk away for another week. I think it's, it's quite quick for me to comment because I, I don't really know. Like I, I had this idea at the end of season one about what I wanted from season two. You know, there was that holdover. Um, there was Moff Gideon was this big bad. He's still uh, around after the, um, the X-Wing had crashed. We knew that he was going to be coming back. Tie um, Nerd. The, uh, yeah. Lack of nerd cred there. Thing. Uh, ship. Black Empire ship. Um, <laughs> and obviously. Oh, Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, obviously, uh, Din Jardin had his quest to get Grogu somewhere. So we yeah. knew, um, what sort of season two was going to amount to. And kind of my thoughts were more on how they would present it, the serialization of it, kind of how I wanted it, the, the, the beats to be. With the third season, I've got no idea, no idea what I kind of want from this. I, I'd, I'd like it to be similar in that we have a couple of kind of standalone episodes that, take take into account the entire journey that there is some kind of overarching thing but they can almost not reset it but they can kind of start that that next chapter really you know seasons one and two are together as a story um they can kind of start again and whether it is um you know a bit of a jump in time um and there is some kind of connection back with grogu and the mandalorian what they're going to then do with um what's her name the Mandalorian chick who wants to be the queen ruler of Mandalore and bring oh, everyone back uh, together. Bo-Katan. Now, um, yeah. And we've, we've got a little bit about around that as well. So there's, there's kind of an inkling of what might happen, but I, I just don't know. I just don't know what I want from it next. Just more cool stuff. <laughs> How about yourself there, Dave? I don't know if Disney's at that point where they're going to let baby Yoda go. Mm. He has been such a, a big part of the show. Like I said at the beginning, you know, when I jokingly referred to it as the baby Yoda show, um, the Grogu show, he's, he's a big part of it. Right, a little. Mandalorian may have the title, well, a little, yeah, but Mandalorian might have the title and, uh, you know, the, the marketing has been around baby Yoda yeah. a lot. So for, for Disney, <laughs> they're not, they're, they're, they're not the, it would be a big oh, risk to cut him out of the show entirely. Yeah, absolutely. For for them to then just to, you know, I mean, that's why I'm not entirely convinced we're not going to see another version of the Ra- Razor Crest. Disney likes to sell toys, yep. and that is a that is a popular toy. Um, oh, but they can the sell ship. a different one. Sell a different one. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah where, I mean, whether I want that though, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I kind of want to see a little bit more Grogu. I, I'm more interested in in where 
the Moff Gideon storyline, and that goes yeah. as well. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Ben. I really have no yeah, idea. Yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a little bit around maybe, you know, we don't know what Luke's up to, uh, whether he has to bounce around a bit and he just gives the Mandalorian a quick call and says, can you just come on and hang out? And just come on and just, yeah, look after this, the, the kid for a little while, please. And then they go on crazy. Uh, look, I've got this troublesome them. student that's causing an issue. Do you mind looking after him yeah. once I deal with it? I mean, we're, yeah. we're a few years out from that, but I think that's a good yeah. point, which is, one of the things that people immediately figured out was if Grogu joins the school, we know that um, Kylo kills everyone at the mm-hmm. school except How? for the Knights of Ren. So either Grogu is a Knights of Ren we didn't notice because, boy, he's small, and they weren't when the brief times we saw them. <laughs> or Grogu gets murderized by Kylo. Um, and so I suspect that's a very good indicator that Grogu doesn't stay in the school or doesn't mm-hmm. stay. Like, sure. also, I think the Ahsoka episode in, in like retrospect is, so remember, Luke is like at the height of his power, but he's also, he's also just as aware uh, as Ahsoka of like the dangers of emotions that his dad went through. Although yes. he's very, he's more prone to like someone redeeming themselves that way because that's what his dad did. But I wouldn't be surprised sure. if like Grogu has to leave the school because he misses his dad and he's like outbursting. Yeah. I also think I would be very sad because I think what makes this show really work is the fact that it's this odd couple of a very vulnerable child mm-hmm. and this guy who kind of gets saddled with it and then their, their relationship, right? Yeah. That scene we just talked about that, like without context made your child cry, right? Um, yeah, it, with yeah. context, boy, like that's where the heart of the show oh, is. Oh, yeah. So I really will show her that properly in about five yeah, years. Yeah, can emotionally handle yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I think if they cut the child dynamic out of the show, it will suffer a lot. Um, yeah, and we, so, we might get the first couple of episodes which just yeah, the Mandalorian or something, but yeah, then they yeah, roll so. it back around to include him. Um, the one thing I will say about this season that I didn't like was one of the reasons I really liked this, uh, like season one especially, obviously, because um, I'm critiquing season two and that's how that works, uh, is that it is a weekly – it was like a weekly um, – it was an homage to serial westerns and kung fu films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that is ro- roving warrior one-off episodes, new locales, yep. pretty – and this season had way less of that like yes. e- even when we went places they were part of the bigger arc so it wasn't the serialized sort of new adventure thing it was like new place thing so it felt similar but not quite the same because it was like yes we went to that planet and had the fight with the real weird guys who hated the mining ships who in retrospect they were attacking imperial people and the mandalorian killed a fuck ton of them because they <laughs> wanted to blow up an imperial mining car oh you were the bad guy yeah. there we didn't get yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah. that because of time, but like those things, you couldn't get the sense of those characters because that wasn't a, they visited a mining planet and had a, and, and, and tried to help people or interacted with the people. They became very much CGI pop, like literally just CGI action figures for the, mm. the, for the episode. And I think the series two lost something that was really at the heart of the show, which is that these were like, a lot of bottle episodes, right? You're like, mm-hmm. go to this planet, sure. do this thing, and like, when he's a bounty hunter, there's a good reason for those things. When you're in, the, when the Incredible Hulk t- TV show, he was wandering from town to town because he had to wander, but then he'd bump into problems and try and solve them. Like, this is, it, the show is very much read, led into those tropes, and they kind of ha- let go in the surface of plot. And I think that's why I really did, uh, one of the reasons I disliked the 30 minute episode was because it was like, it made it very clear that like, 
these new locales are just to service the plot and they aren't mm. doing the thing for the ep- the episode isn't for its own sake. Yeah. And that 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 episode was very clearly that. Um so I'm hoping slash predicting that we'll Grogu can't stay with Luke. Uh, uh and if we don't get Grogu back, I'll be very sad. <laughs> Uh, just give us a spin-off of him eating each week. Just, just ten minutes, a ten minute clip at the end of each episode of him just, just eating a, a new food, yeah. and I'll be happy with that. Ooh, we'll get back into eggs, the debate about eating live toast. sentient beings and things oh, again. Man. <laughs> let's not talk about that now. Yeah, uh, boy, do I miss him meeting frogs though. That episode, <laughs> the Seven Samurai episode, where he gets taught not to eat frogs by the children, is so adorably sweet. Yep. That moment, yeah, great. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, I think that will wrap us up for this week. Um, Dave, welcome back to the fold. If people wanted to know more about your thoughts on the internet at all or anything, how would they find you? They wouldn't really. Yeah, that's what I don't wondering. really tweet. <laughs> I don't really do anything anymore. Um, yeah, uh, at the minute, you can't. Tough. But maybe on outliers.net soon. Ah, yes, where we all have other podcasts, videos, Articles, etc. Um, do you? I just wasn't sure if you had a Twitter you wanted to share. I I do, but I I don't. I mean, the only tweet I've done in the last twelve months was to tweet the uh, Leo Jones from the airline TV show from the two thousand and one. Yeah, fair enough. So, so if you're into that, just look for Dave on on Twitter. Uh, we we're out of lives net on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of net is the website aforementioned. Uh. Where, of course, if you're not watching us live on Twitch, we're out of Life's network, twitch.tuvalu slash. Uh, I'm at the Omniarch on all of the things, except Twitch, where I'm the underscore Omniarch for reasons of someone squatting on my name. Uh, and Ben is... At Nova underscore 47. On all the things. Um, <laughs> no, just one thing. Yeah. You have to guess. Uh, so we <laughs> normally record Geek Out Weekly on Mondays at noon. Uh, as a lunch hour thing, Tuesdays at noon, I do a first look of a new show on for, on Twitch, first look Tuesdays. Uh, ben does his Wednesday lunch hour. Well, we're very lunch-oriented uh, network these mm. days. Um, lunch hour, uh, look at a game, play through a game. Hey, Ben's got an hour to play a game. Join him on Wednesdays on Twitch. And Rodari's got his 10 p.m., 10.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. insomnia streams where he plays games late on friday nights uh, yeah. yeah on friday nights and then we sometimes have bonus streams otherwise mm-hmm. um that's it for us for another week which was actually quite strong thanks to dave joining yes, us absolutely so strong dave strong dave uh thanks a lot bye bye ciao www.outoflives.net <laughs>